Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to the third episode of Hit by Podcast. My name is Ryan Irwin, and here with me is my good buddy, Andy Johnson. Hello, what's up, everybody? Boom, welcome to the show. Well, <laughs> la- boom. Last week, uh, or last episode, <laughs> which we filmed right before this or recorded, was the American League preview. And this episode, we're going to go into the National League preview, and we're going to have kind of the same format. And for those fans who are uh, loving the commission, the Commissioner Andy segment, Wait until the end of the podcast episode, and you're going to get another rant from <laughs> the wily commissioner, Andy Johnson. I got my opinions, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, let's hop right into let, the NL. Let me preface the NL with this, Ryan. Okay. So in the AL, I went a little wild with some of my predictions. I felt like as I was thinking about the National League, it's going to be like the same thing it's been the last few years. <laughs> like I just feel like no matter what I look at, I just feel like in each division there is one or two teams that's like clearly the class of the division until something happens. You know what? I don't know if it, you feel It's same. interesting. I think when you're looking at the NL East and the NL West, you got two teams that are really going after uh, one and two, um, which we'll talk about later but man there is a giant gap uh between the top teams and the bottom teams in the national league yeah there are some bad teams yes in the national league i agree with that um and that did not get any better in fact probably got worse this year um well so let's kick off with the nl east and kind of on that note the one team who i think actually maybe kind of might surprise some people and just a mild surprise is atlanta I think, um, I mean, they were bad last year, and everyone kind of knew it, and I felt bad for Freddy Gonzalez. He got fired at, like, what, 20 games in with a roster that everyone knew was going to be terrible. Yeah. Um, But I do like Dansby Swanson. Um, I like some of their young guys. Um, And I think the – I don't think, like, Bartolo Colon and Brandon Phillips are, like, long-term plans for anything, but I think those are guys that can get them to be playing close to 500 ball, you know, just kind of – you know, transitional guys. Um, I think Atlanta's going to finish third in the NL East behind uh, Washington and New York. But I think uh, they just have some good energy, I think, and going to that new stadium is, uh, is um, you know, going to be some can I go good, on a, good energy. For can them. I go on a mini rant real yeah. quick? do it. This whole new stadium mentality that teams have just blows me away. I hate it. I, I, it makes no sense to me. It, it disrupts the the building, the future of the franchise. You got teams. Okay, like take the Sacramento Kings for instance this year in the NBA. Yeah, they had a new they had a new arena. They yeah. should have traded DeMarcus Cousins in the offseason. They got basically nothing back for him. They kept him because they wanted a marquee player in their new stadium that fans could come and see. Right. The Atlanta Braves. They're adding guys that don't make a whole lot of sense to me as far as a team that should be in the rebuilding process. Bartolo Colon, watch out. Yeah, I know. R.A. Dickey, talk about some brushback pitch intimidation. Uh, I just – I understand that the owners want fans to come to the new stadium. I'm not sure Bartolo Colon and R.A. Dickey are going to move the meter for some fans, but – no, and I don't think those guys are move-the-needle move the kind of guys. Yeah. I think they're just, hey, let's try and make us not suck totally this year. Yeah, it, and I think they'll be, they'll I think be good they'll be veteran decent, presences. But, yeah. man, do I agree with you with that new stadium thing, especially when you just hold the taxpayers hostage over a stadium that's not even that old. Yeah. Like, what? It, it was built for the Olympics in 96. It's like 20 years old. And 
people are not Terrible. happy about the location. It, it's, no, it's super it's up north of the city. Super ways. north of the yeah. city. It's not. Uh, yeah, and like you mentioned in the first podcast, there's there's nothing like a ballpark being in the middle of the urban center. Love it. It's, uh, it's, it's got to be the best. Well, I got uh, USA Today's got Nationals finishing first with ninety. Mets finishing second with 89 wins. Marlins third with 75, which that could go a lot of different directions with the Marlins. Boy, we talked in the last one about the Royals being hit with a uh, untimely death and the same <sighs> with uh, the Marlins. And I know Jose Fernandez's incident was at the end of last season, but you yeah. know, that's just going to carry over emotionally and just on the field, too, for those players. And that I, you, you see, you hear a lot. Uh, there's a lot of tragic things that happen to our favorite professional athletes. There's something about the Jose Fernandez one that that just really stopped me dead in my tracks when I yeah. read the headline. He was so good. And so I young. think he was my favorite pitcher to watch. Wow. He he had so much charisma. He was confident. He had electric stuff, and he was really coming into his own. And he could have been a favorite to win the NL Cy Young this year. Right. Uh, and there, that was a franchise that was on the rise. And hey, they're about to get new ownership, which I think that could be a good thing for yeah, the Miami. Yeah, and, and he was like a face of the franchise type guy for them. You know, like he's Latin American player and playing in Miami. Miami. Like there's just, and he just his energy. You know, that was brutal. It, it man. Was brutal. I'm with you. Well, on that. so as far as the standings go, I got the Nationals finishing first. Uh, <laughs> They are definitely my box score beauty. Yeah, I love I love the guys on that team. I love seeing them do well. Let me ask you this: Do yeah. you like their batting lineup in the box score better, or their rotation better? Well, so I'm definitely uh, I go straight to um, the the hitting stats right away. There's a few pitchers that I go straight to see how they pitched. Yeah, for sure. Like when Strasburg first came up, I'm like, oh my gosh, did he get 18 strikeouts this game? <laughs> and at yes. the beginning, he was doing that. It was yes. it was amazing. I'm definitely a batter guy, for sure. But that rotation is filthy. Um, they could be one of the clubs that uh, contends with the Cubs this year. Um, for in the NLCS uh, to get into the World Series, and we'll talk about a couple teams that I think might push the Cubs. I got the Mets. Oh, did you want to say something else about? No, them? I just said Washington, then New York second. Um, so I'm with you there. Yeah. I guess like I'll start talking about the Mets real quick. They're interesting to me because we know two years ago their pitching was awesome, carried them to the World Series. Last year they hit the injury bug. Um, you know, and this year we're going to find out what that's all about. You know, is Matt Harvey going to come back? Is uh, you know, Steven Motts, is he, is he for real? Like, you know, we know that Thor and Jacob deGrom are pretty solid at the yeah. top of that rotation. Man. But they didn't really bring in anybody new. No. You know, I mean, they made the Jay Bruce trade whatever last year, and that is what it is. But they're kind of saying, we like the team we got, and we're going we're gonna to run with it. Man, I mean, couldn't you see them bringing in another premier bat into that New York market with – the starting rotation that is going to give you really great odds to get into the playoffs and, and even deeper the World Series. Why wouldn't why wouldn't a, a free agent bat want to go somewhere like there? Probably because they're still paying money to Bobby Bonilla from yeah you're like right the nineties or something million for thirty years <laughs> Bobby the famous and or more likely more like the infamous contract no Bobby Bonilla yeah so I got them they 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 have the potential to have the best rotation in the league yeah Matt Harvey. Got some question marks. He's he's sitting at around ninety, low nineties this year in spring training, and mm-hmm. he's uh, he's being very um, he's being very discreet with his interviews, and he's getting agitated with uh, yeah the questions with and reporters. Yeah. And I think there's something there that um, yeah I, I I'm worried about Matt Harvey. Uh, 
good guy at the back of your rotation, but not the stud. Phillies, man, shield your eyes when you look at that lineup. They, <laughs> when you got when you got Odubel Hernandez as or Her, Odubel Her, Herrera, Herrera as your as your uh, marquee guy in your lineup, right. uh, you're gonna have some problems. They got some pitching uh, coming up uh, that I think is gonna be fun. Storylines to watch in the NL East. Uh, the one that I'm personally going to be watching is Bryce Harper going to return to form. Right. And I talked about this a little bit in the first podcast, but I think, I think, I think he's going to. I think. I mean, he definitely had protection in last year's lineup, but he, he got a little more. Um, I think uh, he was a man on a mission, and th- th- something you're going to hear a lot about, the, a number you're going to hear a lot in the next two years with Bryce Harper is the number 500 million. <laughs> For his potential contract. 500 million, years. the potential richest oh, contract gosh. in the history of sports. <sighs> we'll argue about that till the cows come yeah, home. Yeah, 100%. Worth it. My, my one little storyline, not really a storyline so much as I want to know, word is that there's going to be a Waffle House in the new Braves Stadium. What? I want to know <laughs> if that's good and worth making a trip to Atlanta sometime. And is it going to be Waffle House prices in Ooh. the stadium? Are they going to crank it up? And is there going to be some old curmudgeonly lady serving it behind a counter? <laughs> and are they going to give you sticky fingers just oh. because? Yeah. <laughs> um, one, one time I got my favorite hat ruined at a Waffle House. It was a white Titleist hat, and a, mm. the waitress dropped a whole cup of chocolate <laughs> milk, and it splattered all over my white hat. <laughs> That's <laughs> so that's what I think of the Waffle House. That's a mistake. And late nights, yeah. Um, Should play, we move on? Or, yeah, let's no? move on. Yeah. Can I talk about a prospect real quick? Yeah, go for and it. Then, real and fast. Then, yeah, guy named Kevin Maiton, shortstop, seventeen-year-old with the Atlanta Braves. He's seventeen, six foot two, hundred ninety pounds, switch hitter. Scouts are drooling over this guy. Chipper Jones comps. I just had to talk about him because, man, this guy could be the real deal. Let's move on. Five-run right. home run prediction. Okay. This is no Last goofy bit. one. Yoana Cespedes has an underhanded outfield assist. <laughs> if you watch Yoana Cespedes catch a casual five ball when it doesn't matter, you'll see him do this, like, softball pitcher underhanded flick of the wrist, and he zooms it in from the warning track underhanded to the shortstop at at least 80 miles per hour. It's it's insane. Uh, that's my prediction. He's going right. he's going to gun someone underhanded. All right. Let me let me take us to the NL Central now, Wonderful. Ryan. Um, and like I prefaced in entire National League, I don't see any creativity in this division. I got Chicago, St. Louis, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and Milwaukee. Um, instead of talking about the Cubs because that's what everyone wants to talk about, let's start with your team, the Reds. Uh, and I have them at fourth. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe a little better from last year because because they've got young guys out there playing with nothing to lose, you know? And I don't know what you think about the Reds, but um, I'm glad that Brian Price has another chance to keep going with this squad because he's just been in a tough spot all along. Um, what about you? What say you about your team, the Reds? Well, I think Brian Price is a bum. <laughs> um, Sounds like the Reds fans I know. Do you love. remember – that interview he had at the beginning of last year? I do. I don't remember all the details of it. I remember it was like kind of eyebrow raising, but... It wasn't... Eyebrow raising is putting it lightly. <laughs> I believe he dropped the F-bomb 77 times yeah, in the interview. I remember a lot of that now. Um, again, not all of this is his fault, and, and his roster is uh, leaves much to be desired. I had some hopes coming into this year. I, I, I'm really excited about the young pitching coming up. Uh, the totally. Desclafani injury is definitely a blow. He might be having Tommy John surgery. Ooh. Amir Garrett, that dude is a stud. I have high hopes for that guy. Yeah. Former college basketball player, St. John's. 
Really impressive basketball highlights. He could throw down. He's six foot six, lefty, super athletic. Um, you got uh, Cody Reed, who um, he really struggled last year, but he's got a lot of potential from the left side. Brandon Finnegan, I just like him. He's got really good stuff. Um, I had some high hopes going, uh, higher hopes going into this year, and then the Reds announced the opening day starter, and it was a very sobering fact. And the opening day starter is Scott Feldman, <laughs> which uh, is uninspiring to say. Journeyman Scott Feldman. Storyline for the Reds I'm excited about. and The, the, the Reds and out, the people keep talking about this, is the hooting guru, Joey Votto, is taking Billy Hamilton under his wing. And at the, the second half of last year, Billy Hamilton hit close to 300. Yeah, he had a good second half. I tell you what, if that guy can learn how to hit a baseball... Watch out. No, the dude's, um, dude's got some skills that no one else in the league can do, you know. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens in the draft. I'm interested to see some guys coming up. Um, not very high hopes this year. I, 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 think, I think we'll score some runs, but the bullpen, again, we're, gonna, we're doing a closer by committee deal. If a closer can't emerge from that sorry group, then, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that says let, a lot. Let me give you another player to watch in the NL Central, Ryan, and it's, again, not someone you would think about. Uh, I'm going to say Garrett Cole from the Pirates. Huh. Dude has had, you know, he's been a big name for a while now. Um, had a little bit of a letdown last year, I'd say. Um, didn't have the year they expected. But I think he is kind of the key for the Pirates in determining – if they're going to just be the NL's version of the Angels, where they're just mired in mediocrity yeah. and, you, you know, you're not sure what you're doing. You know, they've got they've got some talent still. I mean, McCutcheon's kind of on the wrong side of 30, I think, now. I think, yeah. what, is he 30, 31? Yeah, and he had a heck um, of an offseason, man. <laughs> the way uh, that front office treated him. Yeah, that was, that was it, wild. It was tough. Well, but they still have got uh, Gregory Polanco, Starling Marte in that lineup. Um, those guys can play. But... Like I said, I think Garrett Cole is kind of the key. Are they just going to be a middling 80-81 win team, or are they going to get back to the playoffs? You know, Are they going to chase St. Louis in that division? Yeah, uh, the the experts, uh, other than us, uh, <laughs> right. the other our fellow experts, <laughs> predict the Pirates to win about 81 games. And honestly, I think that's about right. Um, I think... Uh, I Iron in mediocrity. I think if they get off to a slow start, it's bye-bye Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah. Hello, Austin Meadows. Yeah. There's a stud that's coming up. They're waiting on him um, for sure. I think I think uh, I think that would have been a tough move, but I think it would have been the right move to get rid of Andrew McCutcheon this year. Even though he's done so much for the franchise, it was kind of hard to see him handled right. in that fashion. Treated that way. Um, I he's think getting uh, shoved over to like right field, isn't yeah. he? A little bit. Maybe yeah. He, yeah. He's that. definitely not going to play center field this year. Right. Um, Starling Marte, who was the best, easily the best defensive left fielder. Uh, last year is I think is going to be playing center field this year, um, but yeah. So they got the Cubs finishing first, obviously. Shocker. And uh, they were referred to last year as the Warriors of of uh, baseball. Warriors. The, the Golden Jeez. State Warriors of baseball. And Andy, they lived up to the height. I, yeah. I, you're, you're like shifting in your seat because you're so uncomfortable. Well, you even tried to skirt over the Chicago Cubs at the beginning of the Central <laughs> podcast. You're, you're sitting in your Believeland, Cleveland Indians baseball shirt. Are you that salty? I'm just a little bummed about it all. And here's the thing. I can see this becoming a huge slippery slope. Cubs fans are going to turn into Red Sox fans. They got the World Series, and oh. all of a sudden they become bitter and entitled and annoying. And everyone's well, they're the lovable Cubbies. They're the lovable losers. They I- are not the losers <laughs> anymore, though. They're the best team in baseball, and it's like not even close. Yeah, 
you know, it's it's weird seeing how many more Cubs fans there are now. Yeah. Now there is something about, there is something to that. You know, they're playing on a, a national broadcast where anybody from anywhere could watch them play. Yeah, they, for there's, sure. there's fans of the Cubs all over the place. But man, uh, I'm gonna just come out and say it. I'm just flat out jealous of the Cubs. And as a Reds fan, I have no issue with saying I wish I was a Cubs fan, but I can't bring myself to. <laughs> I can't okay. At least you're not saying you're a Cardinals fan. Um, yeah. Ugh. Can we just not yeah. talk about the Cardinals? That'd be no. nice. No. You know, I was at the game where Brandon Phillips and Yadier Molina had the altercation that turned into the brawl. Yeah. And that was what I was terrified for my life and I was in the stands. <laughs> that this just goes to show how I would do in like a, a high pressure situation where <laughs> man, there's a lot of testosterone being flung around and it, it yeah. Totally. That was crazy. That was seriously crazy. I hate Yadier. I sports hate Yadier Molina. I think more than any any athlete really? right now. As a Cubs fan, you don't understand. As a Reds fan, wow! Oh, no, I did not say that. I'm gonna go back and edit that out. <laughs> as a Reds fan, you do not understand. He hits ten home runs a year. They're all against the Reds. <laughs> he he he's like, I'm gonna hit today because it's against the Reds. It's the Reds. Um, and he hit a home run in the in the in the brawl game as well. well. Ryan, do you have a big prediction for the NL Central? A five five My run five home run? run home run prediction is that Jason Hayward starts batting right handed. <laughs> Can't hurt, right? <laughs> oh, it makes me so sad. And uh, you know, I as a as a player in high school, I would I was the guy who hit the heck out of the ball in batting practice. But I would get in these mental funks where I could not hit in the game. Yep. And it happened a lot. And when I watched Jason Hayward, I empathize with him. <laughs> not that I was a six foot five left handed athletic Beast. stud who yeah. should have been hitting four, 40 home runs a year, but. It's so painful to watch him struggle, hold the bat, and just look uncomfortable and look terrified. He just—he's <laughs> got twenty hitches in his swing. He might as well just start trying to bat right-handed. They're paying him one hundred seventy-five million bucks uh, to be um, a sub two hundred hitter, stud right fielder. But that's about it for sure. Um, he finished positive WAR thanks to his glove. Right. Which, um, so let's let's move on to uh, the NL West, okay. shall we? Well, once again, I don't have any surprises. I have the Dodgers finishing first, followed by the Giants, because I think those two are clearly the class of the division. Um, after that, I got Colorado, Arizona, and then San Diego. Uh, San Diego, though, I think is kind of on the upswing. Um, I don't know if we want to talk about first. We start at the top with the Dodgers. I'm guessing yeah, you start got the them top. first, yeah. or you want to go yeah, bottom I got, up? Well, I got the Dodgers finishing first for sure. I, right. And I have no them shocker. and the Nationals will be the top contenders uh, for the National League title. Just like last year. Yeah. Against the Cubs. Yeah. Yep. Um, impressive lineup. Can we talk about Corey Seager for like two seconds? Yeah, please. Oh, man. Dude's a stud. He, the fact that he is that big and he is that good and advanced offensively and can stay at shortstop. And they're saying he can at least stay there for a few more years. I think his destiny is ultimately third base. But So Seager is the young shortstop for the Dodgers. How old is he exactly? Do we know? I think he's 22. Okay, I was going to say 23. 23, Somewhere, somewhere in that range. I'm not sure exactly. He is, he is a cold-blooded killer at the plate, man. Yes. He, he has got uh, confidence in there, and he is terrifying. Um, they filled... Um, 
uh, a, a a need that they had in second base with uh, Logan Forsythe, who I love. I think he was a big pickup for them. There was lots of talks about Brian Dozier going there, the 40 home run second baseman. Um, but I think uh, I think Forsythe's a great fit. He can play some outfield for them as well. Corey Seager, by the way, is 22. He will be Jeez. 23 in April, My April goodness. 27th. I just looked it up here. Yeah, and his older brother, another Kyle great Seager. hitter. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I, I think you know doesn't he, get the hype. Yeah. What What do you think? What do you make of Jock Peterson? You know, he like had a real flashy debut a couple years ago, and yeah. then just kind of tailored off. So, like, is yeah. he is he long term there? Or is he, he going to be kind of like a flash in the pan guy, or what? If we ever make a list of man, it really feels like you should be good team. <laughs> he would be my starting center fielder. True. Uh, he put on an absolute show in the home run derby that Todd Frazier won. His rookie year, right? Going. He was rookie yeah, that season. Rookie year. Um, he can go out and pick it in center field. He is a plus uh, defensive center fielder. But the strikeouts, man, he he strikes out a lot. Um, low batting average. Um, he's he's improved his plate discipline a little bit yep. this past year. But uh, man, if if it all comes together with him, if it clicks with him, he could be one of the most exciting players. In baseball, and his name's Jock Peterson. Yeah, how can I he mean, not be good? How marketable is that in LA? Last note on the Dodgers for me, anyways. Love their closer, Kenley Jansen. Oh yeah, he's Dude, a stud. They, he came up as a catcher, if I recall right. Yeah, they converted. And him. I love that. Could I love just throw, stars. and yep. now he's a closer that is lights out for the Dodgers. So, yep. he's a player. Yeah, um, I got San Francisco finishing second, but you never know with them, man. I mean, they're they're a world class organization. Right. Um, they got an awesome pitching rotation. Uh, they got Mad Bum, Cueto, Samarja, Matt Moore, and Matt Kane. Watch out for Matt Moore. Matt Moore uh, was the number three prospect. Some had him in front of Mike Trout uh, when it was the Harper, Trout, Matt Moore discussion. Yeah. He's got all the tools in the tool bag. When he came over, uh, which was your nickname in high school, right? The tool- no, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, he, when he came over to the Giants, he, uh, he looked good. And whatever they do with pitchers over there in San Francisco, uh, they do it right. Uh, don't tell that to Barry Zito um, and Tim Lincecum near the end of his career, and also Matt Cain now. But they know how to they know how to coach up pitching there. Matt Moore, yeah. well, watch how, out. How is Matt Cain still doing it? I feel like he peaked like eight years ago. Yeah, didn't he have a perfect game like five or six years My ago? My dad was at that game was in, in San Francisco. Fran- in San Francisco at that wow. game. Quick, quick plug on the Giants ballpark. It is my favorite. I think I mentioned that a couple yeah. uh, in the first podcast. Yeah. It's just a great place. Make, make a point to go there if you're out in California sometime for a game. It's a good experience. Moving on, I'm, I'm picking to finish third. Colorado Rockies, my box score beauty. Ah. Oh, Charlie Blackman, DJ LeMayhew, Nolan Arenado. Carlos cargo. Gonzalez. How cargo still playing Trevor at a high Story. level? That guy's been doing it for – Six, seven, eight years now. And he's looking good, and like, I mean, it's really he's been he's been con- quietly consistent for a long time. Yeah. Like it's it's been a long time now, and he's been playing at a high level. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I have the Rockies finishing third. What do you think about um, Ian Desmond? Just hurt his wrist, I think. Right. Well, I Wasn't thought it was a weird signing anyway, especially with Trumbo and Edwin Encarnacion yeah, still on the market. I'm so upset one of those guys didn't go to Coors Field Gosh. because I want someone to break Barry Bonds' home run record. <laughs> Could you imagine Edwin Encarnacion or Mark Trumbo playing at Coors Field? What is What would be a more tainted record for you? A Coors Field 
<laughs> player who breaks the home run record or Barry Bonds' steroid? I don't know. It might assisted home run that's record. That's a great question. I, yeah, just on the spot. <laughs> I mean, probably the Bonds record, but still, Coors Field is. That's a I was at a pack. game that's there, sure. Andy. John Carlos Stanton watching John Carlos Stanton. Oh, he hit a ball to the fence, and it got there in .2 seconds. <laughs> Catcher Mike McHenry hit one of the most impressive bombs I've ever seen. Wow! And he, I think he has eight home runs. It, it, it's just a different ball game there, man. Uh, moving along, I got um, Arizona uh, finishing in fourth place, and their last season record was as ugly as their new uniform that they unveiled. I think the real question, the five-run home run point here, is what will the Diamondbacks do next with their color scheme? <laughs> because over the last 10 to 15 years, they have had, I think, like every color. Yeah. They've been I mean, they're purple the and green. Yeah. They've been teal. They've been black and red. Then this, the past year, they had like this charcoal uni thing going. Dude, it's looks like a high school softball outfit. So when I initially saw those uniforms, I got excited, and then I realized how stupid I was. <laughs> right, I'm kind of a uniform snob. You yeah, know? like, like I love in my own mind designing uniforms, like yeah. especially for, for major league teams, and like, yeah, just it should look sharp, it should look crisp. You know, it's something where I'm a little more old school, you know, when it comes to uniforms and, and just looking good. I don't, I don't think uniforms should be over the top. Like, the Diamondback, I don't even know what their identity is, you know? Now, that said, alternative uniforms can be a thing. That's great. I think they did something that they thought the league was going to follow suit on, and uh, it backfired real bad. If you've never seen the Diamondbacks unis, you can Google it. Or if you want to save your eyeballs, don't, because uh, they're not very aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, they, it's bizarre. It really is bizarre. Um, so I, I think this year they'll have somewhat of a, ba- a bounce back. They'll get A.J. Pollock back in yeah. that lineup. Uh, I think they're too talented to not yeah. um, have a better year than last year. Tywon Walker is looking like a stud. I mentioned it in the AL podcast. Um, I think he's going to be a real X factor for them. We'll see if Grinky gets back on track. One of my favorite players in all of baseball. He is super weird. He might be the smartest, or at least have the highest IQ in the entire league, and uh, seems like a really good guy, uh, but con- but super weird as well. Uh, but I love him, and he's he's a baseball savant. And uh, he hits the heck out of the ball, too, which is really, really fun. Storyline I'm following this year. Rockies are win now. You look at that lineup. Can they overcome the Coors Field disadvantage? They got a guy named John Gray coming up that, man, they got him out of Oklahoma. He's got at least two-plus pitches right now. He's a guy that has hits upper 90s. Is he someone who can have the Ubaldo Jimenez year where he can overcome? (laughs) The one-year flash. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Who knows? I mean, they they got a fun team. They got a couple guys that hit well in Coors Field and also um, in away away parks. And, And the player for me to watch is Nolan Arenado. He's a guy that transcends all ballparks. Yeah. Gold glove, third baseman, absolute stud. Somebody I followed for a long time in the minor leagues. It was just a doubles and RBI machine in the minor leagues, and you see him get to course field and see those doubles translate into home runs. Just a joy to watch. Let me propose a trade for you. Would this be a good trade for either team? I'm thinking about, you know, we talked about the, the Mets maybe needing one bat, the Rockies maybe needing a better arm. Good trade, bad trade for either team. 
Rockies trade Charlie Blackman to the Mets for Thor, Noah Syndergaard. Uh... Obviously, it's an Mets, extreme deal that I don't think would ever happen, but let's just pretend it happens. Mets don't even blink at that trade. <laughs> In fact, they're they're highly offended by the trade. <laughs> when I mentioned people who had good home road splits, yes, um, Charlie, Charlie Blackman, Blackman was not one of them. <laughs> uh, I uh, I could see him turning into a slightly better Curtis Granderson uh, mm. with the New York Mets being a. 15 home run guide tops. Um, I think when you got a guy like Noah Syndergaard who um, who had weird bone spurs in his forearm last year, and they handled that poorly. Uh, right. But I, I think I think with Noah Syndergaard, there, there's no way. But the only way for the Rockies to get good pitching is to trade for good pitching in the right. middle of the season and hope they. They have them under control for a long time. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, it's fun to throw those ideas out there. I don't think the Mets would do that either. Yeah. But, you know, we're talking about the Mets have a great rotation in the Rockies. Yeah, I think maybe up. maybe you could talk me into a Steven Matz trade. Steven Matz. I think that might be a more realistic. Jacob I, actually, DeGrom, maybe, maybe. Jacob DeGrom, I think the Mets even hold on to DeGrom. I think they think about trading Steven Matz for yeah. Charlie Blackman. That I like that okay. a lot. Um, my... Uh, Five-run home run prediction is a kind of a weird one, and it's like I mentioned. I saw Let's Stanton. I predict that John Carlos Stanton hits a ball out of Coors Field. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. And I think he plays like six games there this whole year. <laughs> I think he hits one out of the ballpark. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Um, that wraps up our, our preview, and that was a whole lot of fun. And it's it funny because I, I Andy, I got to be honest, I. I geeked out preparing for this bad boy, and uh, I could have talked about this stuff for hours and hours. Um, but let's move on. Commissioner Andy is now in the house. Welcome. I'm back. <laughs> uh, the the highly, sought, highly requested Commissioner Andy is back on the show. It was a big hit last time. Commissioner Andy, let me ask you the same question I asked last time. I know you're full of ideas. How can you make this wonderful game that we love even more wonderful all right got a lot of ideas first one i'm going to talk about today actually it's the only one i'm going to talk about today because we can talk about it a lot is expansion oh boy and you know this this stuff gets thrown around you hear the nfl trying to go overseas i think that there are a couple markets in america you know that are that are ripe for the picking you know vegas is an option if you're portland thrown around as an option i don't know how to feel about that (laughs) that would be real weird yeah a bunch of hipsters um they love baseball but i think uh baseball can get back to montreal and I think oh, baseball needs to. Awesome. I think baseball needs to get into Charlotte. Um, the South, especially, has one team, the Braves. And Charlotte is a city has grown so much in the last 10, 15 years. I mean, it's, it's becoming a big city. North Carolina's population is going way up. The South, in general, is just getting a lot of people. And that market would be great for baseball. Um, and then Montreal, obviously, it's been there. There's been a history there. It's a big city. Um, I think it would work there again with the right situation, the right leadership. Uh, people forget that the reason the Expos left is because MLB owned the team and was just trying to figure out what to do with them. Uh, and that was the first time Bartolo Colon was traded, and he went to the Indians in an epic trade. Uh, but anyways, that aside, expansion, I think, would work out for a couple of good reasons. Those are two good markets. I think that would take MLB to 32 teams. And after that, I would split up uh, the divisions oh like, like I do the NFL. Um, in each league, I would have four divisions of four teams. And what, what kind of works out real nice is these things kind of – it kind of falls into place uh, very naturally. 
I would uh, put Montreal in the NL East. Uh, the, the new NL East would be uh, the new Montreal team. We'll just call them the Expos just because, uh, along with the Mets, the Phillies, um, and Washington. Those four would be the NL East. And then in the AL East, uh, on the flip side of all that, you'd have natural rivals, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, uh, Red Sox, and the Orioles. Um, and so the nice thing about these divisions is that everything kind of aligns symmetrically. Um, all the... Uh, all the uh, National League teams have a corresponding American League team, which I'll talk about in another commissioner rant mm-hmm. with uh, rivalries and scheduling. Um, the AL Central would be the Indians, uh, the Tigers, White Sox, and Twins. And on the flip side, the NL Central would be the Reds, the Pirates, the Cubs, and the Brewers. Um, so, again, symmetry. The new divisions would be in the South. Um, so, in the AL, I would give the AL South. Um, I love it to the Rays, obviously, the new team in Charlotte. Um, then you'd have to get a little awkward here. I would put Kansas City in the south. Um, they're just kind of an oddball. They don't really fit in with those AL North teams or AL Central teams. And then along with that, uh, one of the Texas teams, probably Houston. Um, and then the AL West would be uh, Texas, Seattle, Oakland, and Los Angeles. Uh, so traditional four AL West teams there. And then for the National League, uh, National League South, again, the new division would be the Marlins, um, uh, the Braves, um, St. Louis, and then who else did I have in the South? Uh, Arizona, I think. Arizona's kind of the oddball. And then the NL West would be your traditional Giants, Padres, Dodgers, and also the Rockies. Um, And like I said, overall, it kind of aligns interleague play-wise with a natural rival, which, again, I'll talk about another time because I have a lot of thoughts on the schedule and way we do that. Um, But expansion can be great for the game. It could be a great model, um, and I think there's a lot that uh, would benefit from that if we kind of made it into these four divisions of four uh, four teams. That sounds awesome. I, I love the Charlotte idea. I think people in Charlotte would love the Charlotte idea. That's baseball country, man. Yeah. Amazing high school ball, amazing college baseball around the area. Totally. And they have to they have to be Braves fans. It's hilarious. I think Portland would be a good idea because <laughs> baseball is almost becoming like this niche sport. Yeah. And, man, the hipsters are like, they just love baseball stuff. Yeah. Um, and I could see kind of like their soccer team just draws out gigantic crowds. I could see the same kind yeah. of crowd coming out for baseball, and that could be a whole lot of fun. Well, uh, Commissioner Andy, thank you so much for coming to the show again. Uh, flying your helicopter in here. I know you got to <laughs> go back off to headquarters, MLB headquarters, and uh, – yeah, get ready for the start of the season. Well, that about concludes our third episode of Hit by Podcast. My pleasure. It's been a joy. We love you guys. And remember, choke up with two strikes. And don't touch the foul line when you run onto the field.